are now listening to The Prime Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring and investigating all things health, fitness, and performance related. When something is in its prime, it is at its best. This includes us as humans. Are you ready to take on the world? Then join us on this journey to live life in your prime. Hey, and welcome back to the Prime Podcast. Today, uh, one of the topic of conversations is going to be breathing. Now, breathing is a very um, in-depth and has a lot of information. So what I'm going to try to do is get about 15, 20, 25 minutes of info out there right now and probably hit another one um, next week. So this will be breathing part one. All right. So Tori had updated uh, our little show notes here with a ton, a ton of different questions. And like I said, breathing is one of those things that we often take for granted. All right. So in a year, you take about 8 million breaths, about 23,000 per day. So if we were to say like, we're going to do 23,000 sit-ups, 23,000 squats, 23,000 push-ups per day, we better make sure that we are doing that thing correctly. Or you can assume that if we're not doing things well or efficient or with good technique, that things might go wrong. And the same thing goes for breathing. All right. So a lot of times we are have like this dysfunctional breathing pattern because when we're supposed to breathe, it isn't sexy or doesn't look cool. Right. Our breath or, you know, diaphragmatic breathing right through your diaphragm is actually more a much lower position where you see your ribs and belly expand and, and contract a little bit much more much like a baby would when you would see them. Okay, so I guess just to understand what this might look like, when you have time, or if you can do it right now while you're listening, lie on your back, place your right hand with your thumb below your ribs and in the center of the palm on your abs as if you had a stomach ache. Put your other hand up on your chest. So one hand on your belly, one hand on your chest. Now inhale through your nose and pull your breath deep down into your lower abdomen, creating tension under your lower hand and deepening your breath so that you feel the expansion all the way towards your lower back and into your lower abdominal cavity, otherwise known as your pelvic floor. Your pelvic floor is these deep abdominal muscles that kind of keep your pelvis intact. At this point, there should be minimal movement in your upper hand on your chest. This should be all through your belly, ribs, in that area. Now, when you exhale, I want you to exhale through pierced lips, like you're blowing out of a straw, trying to blow up a balloon, and exhale all the air out. Everything you possibly can until you can't even say a letter or a word. That is a full diaphragmatic breath. Okay? And just like many things, it's a skill. No different from anything else that we learn in sports or training or anything like that. If we practice it a little bit from time to time, we'll get better at it. It's important to do that as part of a warm-up, as part of a, you know, if you're stressed out, to find some time to breathe when you wake up in the morning, and so on and so forth. 
By changing the way you breathe, you can improve your posture, the muscular tone and tissue quality of some of your areas where you carry a lot of tension, such as your shoulders, upper back, chest, neck, so on and so forth. So a lot of people who are very stressed, they breathe up through their shoulders, they breathe in through their chest, and they carry a lot of stress and tension there because that's where they do their 23,000 breaths per day, are all in their upper back and up through their chest. So no wonder why those muscles are always tight. They're working all day long. Every breath you take, every step you take, every breath you take, I'll be there for you. All right, so we're always doing that. So no wonder those people have that stress and carry that tension there. So we're, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, core stability, core strength, and things like that, but a lot of times when we're doing those things, people are holding their breath. So when should I breathe, and when should I do certain things, and all this, it, that's why there's so many things to unpack here. I'm gonna try to do my best to, to talk a few things here, and then go, and then come back full circle. Okay? Got a couple of notes here, I just wanna make sure I hit everything um, as we go through. So, when we're, we're, we're breathing, right, the idea is that we want to try to get all the breath out each repetition. And the more breath we can exhale, or the more oxygen or air we can exhale, the more our abdominal muscles will work. So if you've tried that little test that we did before, you'll notice that if you keep breathing out as hard as you can, your abs might feel engaged, or you may feel like your abs might even cramp up. This is why it's important to do like certain exercises where you want to hollow out or where you want to, let's say if you have the, the barbell or a movement overhead where you're trying to prevent an excessive extension or arching of your lower back, that as we're going through it, we are exhaling as we move to allow for our ribs to pull down and to expel air and to engage our lower abdominal muscles to make sure that we're bracing appropriately. Okay, hopefully that, that kind of clarifies some of that um, just basic kind of breath science, I guess, around it. Now, if you've do done yoga and if you're or a yogi, I know I have a few yogis that I know here, um, there are some different ways to breathe that can either stimulate your central nervous system or relax you. Now, the most common that we're going to talk about is a 6-4-10. So if we talk about tempo in terms of lifting, right, we talk about like a squat and it has a tempo when you go down, when you stop, when you stand up, so on and so forth. The same thing can be done for breathing. So if I give you a tempo of 6-4-10, the first one would be your inhale. So if you were to inhale for 6 through your nose, hold the breath for 4 seconds, and then exhale for 10 out your mouth. Right? So if we're trying to really engage, so if you knew like there's little hairs and stuff inside of your nose, that's your natural filter. I think Sean and I talked about this before when we were talking about breath. So you have stuff in your nose that naturally filters out toxins and different things. So by breathing in through your nose, you're actually getting cleaner air into your system because there's a, there's a filtration system in there. So we're meant to breathe in through our nose and out through our mouth. So breathing through your nose and then out through your mouth. Now that's just basic, basic uh, breathing mechanics. Okay, six, four, ten, right? So if you're anxious, if you wake up anxious, um, if you have different things going on, you can also cut it down to like a four, two, six. So periodically throughout the day, um, before meals, 
Um, and, you know, the 6410 is for a little bit more uh, kind of calming things down. What happens when we, we're in these states of anxiety or these states of stress and uh, fight or flight, we get into this position where we never actually get into a, you know, our rest and digest system. So by breathing a little bit, and it allows us to calm down, digest, recover, and allows our central nervous system to relax a little bit, which helps us recover better, which helps us lower our stress, lower our overall muscular tension, and also be able to recover and get our muscles back to where we need them to be. Okay? If I'm going through the questions, through your nose or through your mouth, we just talked about it. When to inhale versus exhale. Now, these are specifically for exercise. Now, like I just said, for certain exercises, you're mostly going to want to exhale and breathe in on the way down and exhale on the way up just to kind of keep a, a regular rhythm. Now, there is a question here that talks about, should I hold my breath or should I use something called the Valsalva maneuver? So if you're in a, into the powerlifting scene, you might have heard of the Valsalva maneuver or just heard about it from before. Essentially, the idea is that a Valsalva is like when you, let's say you hold your plug your nose and try to like push out as hard as you can and like unplug your ears. It's a similar concept. When I'm exercising, it can be beneficial because what it does is it creates a ton of intra-abdominal pressure. This can also be very detrimental if you aren't trained in a position where you can handle this. So if you think about if I'm performing a squat or a deadlift and I need to really, really brace my midsection and my core and all that kind of stuff that we just talked about, by creating this extra pressure, it's almost like wearing another weight belt. But if you've seen some videos where people pass out after deadlifting or pass out after squatting and so on and so forth, it's mostly because they were doing this style of breathing or holding their breath entirely. So what it does is it, it exponentially increases your blood pressure, exponentially uh, changes some other things that are inside the pressure um, in your abs and, and limits oxygen, so on and so forth. So I would err on the side of caution with that. And anything that we do, right, if you are ever going to do something like that, it should be practiced and trained first, just like our breathing, right? So we don't practice breathing because it just comes naturally to us. But as we've seen, just because it's there doesn't mean that we shouldn't have to practice it. So if I were to do something um, new in my training style, like a, something like a Valsalva maneuver, then I would want to practice it at a lighter load where it wouldn't be detrimental and I could practice and see how it feels, see how it works, so on and so forth. So anything that we do, no matter what it is, there's always a, an idea or a time where we should spend practicing that thing before we put it into like full bore, like one rep max back squat. I'm not going to try this thing out today and I've never done it before. That doesn't make sense. That's how you can set yourself up for injury, failure, so on and so forth. Now, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm lifting weights or I'm doing uh, running or things like that, should it change? Not really. I mean, the idea for many of these things is to kind of keep your, your, your breath in a certain position. Now, like I just said, if you're lifting heavier weights, things might change slightly because you are pushing at a maximal load and it does change a little bit. If you're trying to do cardio or aerobic conditioning, then you're gonna wanna, you're gonna work to keep your heart rate as low as possible Right. And you do that by two ways, you know, like breathing, like we just said, in through your nose, out through your mouth, but also limiting the intensity so you can actually breathe. If you're gasping for air 
and you have like that little taste of like blood or metallic type stuff in your, your mouth, then that's a, that's a sign that you may be going too hard. Uh, that might be a, a difficult idea for many of us because we, we think that, you know, I have to go hard to get results. Everything is based on intensity. But intensity is different for everybody. Now, if you're doing like these aerobic conditioning efforts, they should be sustainable. Like a rule of thumb is like if it's a 10 minute workout, you should be able to do it for 40 minutes. If it's a 15 minute workout, you should be able to do it for an hour. A 20 minute workout, an hour and 20. Um, so times it by four and then try to hold that pace. You know, can you do it for another 15 minutes? Can you do it for another 30 minutes? Can you do it for another 45 minutes? Right? If if you're gassing yourself going full bore as fast as you can in every effort, then it's going to be tough for you to, to breathe. Right? If I were to say, hey, let's do this really challenging skill when your heart rate is as high as we can possibly get. There's no learning that happens in that environment. So learning happens in low stress, low skill, or sorry, low stress and, and low heart rate environments. That's when we are most um, capable of developing new skills and learning new things. So if I'm trying to learn how to breathe in a stressful environment, it's gonna be very challenging. So what I want to do is practice those under low stress and then gradually build on that with lower levels of intensity so that I can practice doing it in different circumstances. That will allow me to build those good habits and build those practices and see these sorts of things. And what I've seen is some of these like higher level athletes will do certain conditioning in their training where they only do nasal breathing, right? So they only breathe through their nose through the entire conditioning session. So what that does is it forces them to lower the intensity because you can't breathe in and out through your nose as fast as you can through your mouth, which is why many of us resort to that when we're extremely fatigued. All right. Moving on. Does the mask change any of this? Well, according to research that I've been reading recently, they're saying the mask doesn't make a big difference in terms of uh, the actual oxygen that comes in and so on and so forth. Now, after working out with it for like six and a half months, I, I would beg to differ, but according to the research, that's what we have right now. Um, so I don't have much more on that until we have a little bit more science stuff based on that. But just f initial inclinations would say that, yes, the mask does change it a little bit, even if it's just the fact that I'm wearing something over my mouth and I'm trying to breathe heavy and this thing is in my way and it's preventing me from getting all of the oxygen that I should be getting or I need at this time. That's just my two cents. Are there specific exercises to increase your lung capacity? I mean, yes, cardio. I mean, that's why it's cardiorespiratory. Right? That's what it's called. Um, so if you're going to be doing cardio exercises, again, we're working on breathing and lower intensities. If we're always pushing the intensity so fast or so hard, then we're not going to be able to build up. Exercise is... The, the idea of exercise science is so simple and we often overcomplicate it. We start small and build gradually. That's it. And you just keep building and keep building and keep building and keep building. If we build too much too fast, we set ourselves up for failure, plateau, injury. So if we do it in a sense that, hey, this is going to take me 12, 18, 24 months to get this thing down then it allows you the freedom to progress slowly and make gains that will allow you to enjoy the process, make significant progress and continued progress over time. 
So breathing would help increase your lung capacity, like learning how to breathe efficiently. Like we just talked about laying on your floor. Uh, there's a great organization called the Postural Restoration Institute, PRI, that a lot of their focus is on breathing. You can find great resources on the, on the internet. And they do, you know, uh, a balloon blow up uh, test where you have to try to blow up a balloon without using your hands. It's much more difficult than it is. You have to try to make the balloon explode on your face. It's kind of disgusting also, but very difficult. All right. Uh, consequences of, of poor breathing habits. Uh, long-term during movement. And we already talked about those, you know, stress, put things in different positions that they shouldn't be. You're feeling the, you know, the stress and tension in your shoulders and neck versus um, being relaxed up there. Uh, yeah, actually I got through all of it, which is really nice uh, because breathing, while, while it is complicated, it's also one of the most basic things we've ever had to do. It's the first movement or exercise or whatever you want to call it that our muscles learn to do because when we're born that's all we're doing is breathing right and we're eating and certain things like that but breathing is one of the things so if you ever really want to know what it looks like for somebody to breathe appropriately watch a baby they're they breathe through their belly right that's their first way that their abdominal muscles work right they don't can't kids can't do sit-ups if you ever watch i have a six-year-old and a three-year-old they can't do a sit-up for their life but they can breathe right they can move their body in different ways and all these crazy ways but they can't do a sit-up why because our, our bodies were not designed to like sit up like we we think that sit-ups are like the best core exercise um but like breathing can be a great core exercise, right? Stabilizing in a crawling pattern, which is also a very baby thing, can be a great core exercise. So all these different things and like learning how to breathe through some of these fundamental basic baby movement patterns can progress into more advanced patterns. Like we just talked about, starting really, really small, starting really, really basic, and then progress gradually until you are at the finish line, which... I mean, there is no finish line, let's be honest. No finish line. It just takes progress and it takes us the time to continue to learn about our bodies, to continue to practice these things, to make us live our best life and find our prime. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next time.